Sister Ruth Frederick tonight, getting ready to go in for some exams. We just commit her to the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You love the Lord? Amen. I know you do. I know you do. God bless you as you have your seats this evening. We'll just sing another chorus and invite our brother Ken Andes to come and minister tonight. Brother Ken, is that all right? We'll just sing together, have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. He's the potter. He's the one that knows what needs to happen to the clay tonight. So we just want to give him full reign. Amen. God bless you this evening. Those that are not able to gather with us, we just trust that the Lord will minister to you where you are tonight. Amen. Let's sing this together. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, and I am the Good to be here tonight, isn't it? Hallelujah. It's good uh, that our church has provided a place that we can gather together here in the U.S. And uh, churches in the world where they have to cross a border to get to their church. <laughs> we're one of the few. And quite a number we are, and we're thankful for that. So we, we really want to greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Tonight, good to see you all here. And I want to thank Brother Biscoll and Brother Tom for asking me to minister to you and be here with you in fellowship. It's uh, what we're doing. Amen. I just would want to initiate probably by saying, uh, are you ready? Are you ready? And uh, you would say, well, ready for what, Brother Andes? We're ready for the rapture. Amen. Scripture says, the bride hath made herself ready. Let's all say it together. The bride has made herself ready. Let's say it again. The bride has made herself ready. Coming to church is good. It's fellowship one with another. But 
Look at how many few hours that you're in a church, even before this epidemic thing. And the rest of it is the responsibility of every man, every woman, our relationship with Christ. To let us be clothed with the word. Amen. And be ready. The bride hath made herself ready. So it's a, it's a bride thing among us. And we want to attend to that and be very uh, vigilant about that. Vigilant. Praise the Lord. Let's stand together. Um, we'll look to the Lord service and and for the reading of the word that we will have. Our blessed Heavenly Father, the privilege to approach unto you. You have made a way, made a way, Lord, that we can have access to you, Lord. This universe, you've created us. We're made as but Lord, you've planted a seed of your word deep. And then you've directed us to hear what you're doing. Time, And we believed it, Lord. And we are stirred wonderful in your word in this hour. So we pray you'll have your way tonight. Lord, you know what the deep recesses of our being don't even know our needs. We look at the outside and say, well, we need this or we need that. But you know if it really constitutes a need, a special need of a relationship with you, Lord. The Laodicea said they have need of nothing. But Lord, we've assembled knowing that we do have needs and our greatest need is more of you. And so we pray for your Holy Spirit to move tonight upon our minds our spirits, our minds, and upon our souls. And if there's any sick among us, we pray that you would move by your Holy Spirit, for by your stripes we are healed. Lord God of heaven, we love you tonight. We praise you and lift up your name. So have the free course of your way among us, and I pray you be the special speaker. And Lord, use me in the way that you would. In Jesus Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Amen. While you're standing, if you can turn to the scriptures with me. Thank you, musicians. We're going to be uh, reading two texts this evening. The first is in Matthew 6. And the second is in Matthew chapter 10. So I would like you to read in unison with me. First, Matthew 6, 24 through 34. Matthew 6, 24 through 34. Let's read it in unison. No man can serve two masters For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, or yet for your body, what you shall put on. 
Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubic to his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall ye not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And then just ahead, four chapters, Matthew 10, 34. Thirty-four through thirty-nine. Let's read it together. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that takes not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Amen. You may be seated. I'll read uh, later some more of this chapter and other scriptures. Our subject title tonight is Jesus Christ is more important than anything. Jesus Christ is more important than anything. I want to turn in as far as an introduction of needing that concept. Since we all love him, we know about him. But then we live through our lives. We have occupations. You have marriage. You have troubles, anxieties, things happen. And uh, as you go down this journey, then it puts a strain on the relationship. And that's the only way to know who you are and what you are is when it comes to the strain. 
If everything's going just easy, easy, oh, we can just live for the Lord and wonderful. Well, you can live just as easily with the Lord in the midst of trials and difficulties. But only the elect will do that. Only the elect can see the result and the future. Because God has told us the future and how it will end up for us. In Romans chapter 1 verse 18. And you can follow with me. I'll be going down those scriptures. Uh, Romans 1, 18 through 25. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. He's upset. And that wrath is, is against all ungodliness. All of it. What seems appealing and nice and Satan uses that to tempt you with. God's upset with it. He's very upset with it. And he hold, these people are holding the truth in unrighteousness and because that (coughs) which may be known of God is manifest in them because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God hath showed it unto them all this ungodliness you see in the whole world they have seen at some point the, the truth For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and Godhead is understood by just seeing nature, so that they are without excuse. One place the prophet of God said that they people fight their way to hell. They just fight their way. God puts up barriers and blockades and, and convictions and, and testimony and his presence in people as yourself. And they come right up against you. Now they've got to make a decision. People you've worked with and dealt with and family members and so forth. They've rebelled against God in you talking nice with them. But you need to hold steady and hold fast. The Holy Spirit will keep you in that manner. And they're without excuse because that when they knew God, they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise. Came to the truth of God into a lie, and they worship. We will lose the truth at one time. 
They had worshipped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. That's Jesus Christ. This Jesus Christ that we love so much is the creator of all things. And somehow there's even a portion of the world that says there is no God. There is no creator. There was no design of this, of intelligence that made this. It just happened. You know, a frog, a polio. Well, there's been no species produced like that. A new species. They just imagined it. It's a corruptible imagination. In John 1, 1 to 3, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without anything, without him was not anything made that was made. It took Jesus Christ to make these things. In the book of Ephesians, it says that he made everything. Things that are visible, invisible. Things that are in heaven, things that are in earth. Things that are under the earth. Everything, God, Jesus Christ, has made that. It's just comforting to know the truth. And we can worship him. He's much bigger than we are. Now, Jesus Christ is more than religious men's ideas of God and his word. So Jesus Christ is bigger than what they imagine when they hear the truth. They've known the truth over the years. They backslide it. Russia was once a Christian uh, nation. Well, anyway, we don't need to go into all the history of that, but take the United States. Now, time's not going to go on. We're facing a resurrection and rapture, tribulation, and a great change to the to the world. But if it was to go on, it would just be another empire that's went by implosion. Moral corruption from within the nation implodes and would destroy its own self. The very worst things that we fought against as a nation for many years is now at the door. Just knocking and wanting to have it here. Well, we're content to follow the Lord and he's going to take us out of this. Take us home. Revelation 3.14, a verse you know very well. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen. The one that wrote this was Jesus Christ. He is the Amen. He's the faithful. And he's the true witness. And he's the beginning of the creation of God. He began it all with his spoken word. He is the word. Like Jesus never said, thus saith the Lord. He was thus saith the Lord. He is that word. So we'll take our first text that we were looking at and read together, Matthew 6, 24. Let me go back to that. Verse 24, it says that no man can serve two masters. 
that would be just like you showing up for work someday, wherever you were, and they want you to say, would you do this here? And you say, no, don't have to do that. Well, how come you don't have to do that? Well, I'm really working down the street here. I got another job. Well, you wouldn't last there very long. You can't serve two masters. The master says, do this, and you have another idea. Or the master says this, and then the devil says that. Jesus says this, and Satan says this. You can't go both ways at the same time. And Jesus clearly says that no man can serve two masters. And then in verse 32, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. My wife and I feed the birds. And um, they don't store anything up. They don't have any barns. That's what Jesus said here in our reading. No barns. They might go in the barn and get some grain from you. But they don't build a barn and then store up. They get it every day. Every day. Every day they go out. There's going to be some more. And wherever it's at, they go and they find it. God's taking care of the birds. How much more will he not take care of you? But you all, but it's just an inkling. Well, you got to hoard it all up. Get all you can. You know, the Solomon put it this way. He was a wise man. <clears throat> and he said that there is people that hoard up and save keep it all and and they're poor they lose it then there's others that seem to give it away and help this and do that and 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 they never run out god's watching over it preaching the gospel Brother Branham said, always blinds the unbelievers. Only the believers can see what God is doing. And today it still does blind the unbelievers. They hear it and they can't understand it. You talk, you witness to somebody and talk to them about it and they can't see it. They can't understand it. Here's something the prophet said in uh, Topeka, Kansas, that in a sermon called The Trial in 64. And he was showing this as an illustration, a a court case. And he's going to call this court's attention again, he said. That is the defense witness. He wants to call to this court and show you the promises is only to believers, not make believers, impatient and skeptics. Changes the picture, doesn't it? Not to what people that call themselves believers. It is to believers only. To them only. Not to those who say they are believers. Satan says he's a believer. You knew that was in the Bible, didn't you? Satan believes, the devils believe in one God. They're not even Trinitarian. They know that Trinitarian is wrong because they were there for millions and millions of years before they got cast out and Satan deceived a third of the angels. They know a lot more 
about God than the rest of the world. We know what God's revealed to us of himself, and we accept it. So Brother Bram says Satan says he's a believer too, you know. It's only to real believers. In another place at Topeka, Kansas, Brother Branham said in the Identified Christ of All Ages, he said, if we're not serving him, then let's get away from the thing we're doing and go serve him. That would be good for all of us tonight. Because after all, what good is our profession if there is nothing to it? And our sincerity doesn't expel us from condemnation. If you're sincere and you're wrong, you'll be condemned. And God won't condemn you. Jesus said that. I have not come into the world to condemn the world. So Jesus comes, the light, but they're condemned of themselves, as it says in the book of Jude. People that leave the truth and go back into the world that they were out of for a while, they are condemned of themselves. God's not condemning them. He sent the, the, the truth to them, and they loved it for a while. They walked in it for a while. But as we heard when we read out of Romans chapter 1, hearts were changed. People decided, well, I guess this isn't for me. And they won't go to heaven. Not everybody, the old Negro spiritual is, uh, everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. So just talking about it ain't going to put them there. You got to do what's necessary to be there. And there's where the word comes to the word. In your soul, every human being has a soul. And God has put in his elect sons and daughters a seed. It's a word seed. And so when he comes through an age and brings a messenger like Luther and Wesley and before that, Columbia and the others, he sends a a representative. There's seven church ages, seven messengers to those ages. Now, it says in the book of Revelation that there's seven spirits of God. It says, that, I think it's about four times. And it's a capital S. It's deity. It's the Holy Spirit, God himself, this one Holy Spirit, God, anointing seven men in seven different ages. It's the same Holy Spirit anointing them. That's God anointing Brother Branham, anointed Paul, and it came on down, the seven of them. So when they heard the word in that age, Christ was unfolding himself more in the next age and more in the next age, unveiling himself and showing himself it all was Christ. When Jesus Christ returned to earth, You know when he returned? On the day of Pentecost. 500 people seen him ascend up and a cloud hid him out of, hid him out of their sight. And the angels said to the group, said, why stand ye here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is 
taken up from you shall come again in so like manner as you have seen him go. We're about to see that moment in the resurrected saints. Now, Jesus Christ, when he came on the day of Pentecost, 40 days, excuse me, 10 days after his ascension, he never did leave again. The fullness, Jesus Christ came on the day of Pentecost, been here all through the dark ages, all through 2,000 years. But in each age, he revealed a portion of himself that the people after Paul, they backslid. That's how the Nicene Council, and that's how you got the Roman Catholic Church. These are backslidden Christians. And in each age... Jesus Christ is revealing himself, showing a further portion of himself to restore back what they lost that Paul was preaching. That's what Malachi 4 did for us. That was one of his missions. He had several missions to accomplish, and he did them. One was to turn the hearts of the Pentecost of the children back to the apostolic fathers, back to what they preached and taught. This is not a new message. This is not a new message. Every denomination, or most of them, I should say, say they have the truth. When they start up a church, you know, maybe 100 or 200 years ago, they say, well, we just started this church, and we going back to the original doctrine of Paul. They all say that. Then they have a statement of faith with what they believe about it. And God, Jesus Christ, is the word. And what was lost back there, down from Paul's teachings, now was going to start restoring back again a little more. A little more and a little more. Now we're right. We've seen that now. We've seen that. We're right at the door, friends. And still, that little seed in our soul, when the word of God came in each age, he addressed himself to his elect. And in this day, the message was that God was restoring his word. There was a message he was going to bring. And it wasn't to go up into the upper room and wait. Brother Branham clearly said that after the day of Pentecost, there's no waiting for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You only need a thorough repentance and God will fill you with the Holy Spirit. That's the only requirement. Thorough repentance. Every stone turned over. And when you get down to pray and you want the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you get down to pray and you start and you're going to pray. And that thought, something comes to your mind. It may be the thing you need to repent of. God's faithful. And if you and if nobody else knows about it and you cover it up and you don't repent, well, he's not going to come in and dwell in your vessel. God's not playing games. This is not a game. This is reality. This is life and eternal life. And the only way out of here 
successfully, you have to believe every word of God that came from God in a holy message through the vindicated prophet William Branham. Well, if that's not so today, who got on Noah's ark that did not believe Noah's message? Nobody. And Brother Branham clearly says there were other little boats out there. I'm sure, like Brother Branham went with the full gospel businessmen people, and they helped him and had meetings and meetings and meetings. I believe that there were people that liked Noah. Well, one place in a message, Brother Branham says that they didn't get on the ark when Noah was preaching and building this ark, but they said, Noah is a kind man. If it rains, he will let us in. And I believe he would have. But he didn't shut the door. So they had their reasons why they didn't get Noah's ark. I think one of their best reasons was, Noah, you want everybody on your ark but you don't have room for everybody. Now, doesn't that sound like a good argument? I think some of them probably told him that. Well, what if we did get on there? You don't have room for all of us, and you haven't saved up food for 800 people. Mm. And he was probably preaching like everybody could get in there. So it'll be the same today. You have to believe every word of God. It's a holy message from God. It's not William Branham's message. It's not your message or my message or William Branham's message. It's the message, holy message, word from God. Anything less than that, we would have no way out of here. And that's what people do. They just get their own ideas. Well, I'll go this way. I think this. I think that. We need to think God's thoughts. The word is God's thoughts. And the way to make it very prominent to you, and you've heard it many times, that a word is a thought expressed. Let's reverse that. When you read the word, You read the Bible and you read the messages of God spoken through Brother Branham. Add this to your thinking. When you read something, yes, it was God's thought and now it's in print. But think this way. What you're reading, God thinks that way. That's still his thought. And he doesn't have another thought about it. However God has expressed it, it's that way. It says in Peter that holy men of God were moved upon. And they wrote the scriptures. Holy men of God. William Branham was a holy man of God. Because the Holy Ghost was in him. And he stood and he preached. And then the audible word was put into written text. I want to finish that quote there. 
After all, what good is our profession if there is nothing to it? Our sincerity doesn't expel us from condemnation. Heathens are sincere. People drink carbolic acid sometimes, sincere, thinking they're taking something else. Sincerity doesn't do it. It's got to be the way that's right and a way that's wrong. Amen. Now, for the conclusion of this subject, yep, we're there already. Uh, For the conclusion of this subject and the proof that Jesus Christ is more important than anything, we are going to hear from Jesus himself saying, more than me is not worthy of me. Anything that you think is more than Jesus Christ, and you got to have it and do it, then you're not worthy of Christ. And we're going to look at that thought in conclusion. In uh, Matthew, Matthew 10, 24. In Matthew 10, 24 and 25, Jesus said the disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master. Now, wouldn't that be an accomplishment if we could be like Jesus? And the servant as his Lord, that is enough. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, the prince of all the devils, how much more shall they call them of his household? So that's what they call Jesus, the creator of the universe, savior of the world, the one that authorized and called Noah to build an ark, the one that called William Branham a man born in sin, Brought him to repentance, filled him with the Holy Ghost, and used him. So Jesus gave his all in verse 24. He gave his all. And when when were you called a devil? For Jesus' sake. There is an unforgivable sin. Unbelievers say in Matthew 12, 24, these acts are by Satan. What Jesus is doing, it was the Pharisees that said it. They said, these these miracles and signs and wonders and healings, he's doing that by this Beelzebub, by devils. Oh, my. The But they were acts being done by God. I want to I want to read 31 and 32. Matthew 12:31 and 32. 
Wherefore, Jesus, wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And you don't, you don't want to see how much you can do without blaspheming the Holy Ghost. And so Jesus went on, he said, And whosoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoso speaks against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. There's no hope. Now, if you've enjoyed being a human, breathing air, living, and no matter what your status would be, child, teenager, single, married, you've probably enjoyed being alive. But Jesus Christ offers to his elect ones that will accept him and accept him 100%, eternal life, life without end. Praise his wonderful name. The acts, so when we say the Holy Ghost, as Jesus was saying here, ghost, the worst holiday of the year is Halloween. And the ghost has nothing to do with holiness. They're just, uh, just kid stuff, they say. But it's pretty serious. It's, it's the worst holiday. I think the, the best one's probably Thanksgiving. That's the nicest one. But the word ghost, even in the denominations of those that say they have received the Holy Spirit, they don't want to say ghost. We say Holy Spirit. We won't say Holy Ghost. That's kind of crude for a lot of religious people. But the ghost is the spirit that was in someone else. And now there it's manifested. A ghost is the spirit of somebody. And there it is. Now that's what Jesus did. The spirit that was in Jesus, the ghost, the one that was living in Jesus Christ was God, spirit. And that's what came on the day of Pentecost was the Holy Ghost. A person. The same person that lived inside of Jesus Christ, the same person you receive into you when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. He comes in and he abides. He's not going to leave. Well, we're getting closer to this conclusion of what Jesus said and how he uh, identified that he was the most important thing. So this sin, the sin is the acts of God's spirit, Satan said, and the Pharisees said, 
And people say today that the acts of the Holy Spirit is acts of the devil, works of the devil, deeds of the devil, results of the devil, manifestations of Satan, or the power and influence of Satan himself. Well, Satan is a real person. He's not a human, but he's a real person. And he has a spirit too. And he can only be in one place at a time. He is not omnipresent. Lucifer, Satan, can only be in one place at one time. And I'm sure he is not at Cloverdale Bible Way every service. He's got a big world to cover. But he has about a hundred or two hundred billion angels fallen, demons, and he's in charge of them. And so you can see there's a lot for him to handle. And there's a lot of demons to go around and a lot of spirits to get in people. And your only protection is going to be the Holy Spirit. It's going to be Jesus Christ himself. God spirit. And God could have said, well, his spirit was patient. It was love. It was consideration. And it was brotherly kindness. But he said it was the Holy Spirit. Holiness is the adjective that God used to title his Spirit, his presence, his life. And that's why he is so concerned with holiness. The whole theme of heaven is holy. And down here, Satan is trying to get every believer of this message to backslide. To have one foot in the world and one foot in church. But as I said earlier in this evening when we talked about the rapture, are you ready? Are you preparing yourself for the rapture? If the only time you're putting into it is when you go to church, or maybe some other time you got an hour somewhere, this is our life. So Jesus said in Matthew 10... In verse 26, he said not to fear. Do not fear. Fear not. Even if they kill you. We read that. Even if they kill you, deny him and he will deny you. Fail to confess Jesus openly before men. With your mouth, and Jesus will not represent you before God the Father. That's just the way it works. The look of the unbeliever will shut the mouths of today's Christians. Just the, you know, some unbeliever get a little upset. Oh, I I don't want to offend them. You witness for Christ. You let your light shine. You tell it how it really is in the sweetness and with a smile and then just leave it there between them and God. The look, the look of the unbeliever will shut the mouths of today's Christians mostly. But as Jesus said in verse 27, preach from the housetops, fear God 
Who can destroy the soul? Fear not him that's able to destroy your body, said Jesus, but fear him which's able to destroy both your soul and your body in hellfire. That's a real place. Hell is real. Heaven is real. Amen. So let's look at our second text. And that's in Matthew 10, 34. Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. The last time I spoke here, I told you what Christmas scripture to use, which would be real good. Because the world at Christmas time is thinking of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Well, that's a good verse in Isaiah. And then you go on to share with him, oh, he's the Prince of Peace. He's the everlasting Father. Oh, he is the mighty God. Oh, no, that, that's a second person, third person. It's all about the same baby that was born in Bethlehem. He grew up to be an adult. Hallelujah. So, the, um, so then Jesus, when he's speaking in our scripture there that we read, think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace. Isn't that strange? But he came to bring a sword. Because not everybody in your family is going to believe the word of God in this day. They're just tied into the world. They want to go to the way of the world. And they're having too much fun. They don't want to hear about it. But I advise you, tell it one time. Give your testimony and tell them for sure thoroughly one time. So they hear it and they know it. And then be polite after that. You're available. They know what you believe. You don't have to harp at them. You're going to have a, a birth, send them a birthday card, get them a Christmas gift. You know, that's family. But many don't want to associate with you on that basis. Because you've got to go downhill and to the world like they are in order to justify them accepting you. As a person, that's Satan doing that. When you just, you just want to be friends, right? You want to be, you want to be family. The next verse for Jesus said, I am come to set a man at variance against his father. That's because of the sword of the word. One accepts it. The other one rejects it. And the daughter against her mother because of the word coming to one. And the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Oh, you can still serve God. God's chosen you. He wants to take you home. He's prepared a house for you. A mansion. And in the new heaven and new earth, we're going to have a place to live like that. Just be wonderful. Jesus said, he that loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. If you have a greater love for someone that hates Jesus Christ than you do for Jesus Christ, then you're not worthy of Christ. And he that loves his son and his daughter more than Jesus Christ is not worthy of Christ. 
Jesus Christ has to be the most important thing in your life. We're not talking about part-time serving him. We're not talking about uh, occasionally or if it's convenient. God doesn't work that way. He died on the cross. He gave his all 100% to save a soul. And you are that soul. He gave his all for you. And you must give your all for him. That's the only way it works. I think there was one more thing I wanted to to bring out. Jesus Christ is not a part of any believer of this message. Jesus Christ does not want a part in your life. Everybody in the world knows of Jesus Christ, a man that lived 2,000 years ago. The Muslims speak well of him as being a person in their writings. Muhammad did. And others speak of him. And those that curse and swear, they speak of him dozens of times every day in swearing and cursing. They know about him. Jesus Christ will not have a second place. He must have first center place. In our lives. He took center stage. Where the three crosses were on. Calvary Hill. He died. He gave his all. He was whipped and brutally beaten. This is not a sad story. We tell people to get him sympathetic. It's a reality. That's where he shed his blood. Because Adam sinned. The second Adam did not sin. The first Adam failed and fell. But the second Adam, Jesus Christ, has redeemed us by his own blood. He shed his blood for us. This is a bloody, bloody message. The whole Old Testament is blood of the animals. The whole New Testament is the blood of this man, Jesus Christ. For there is one mediator between God and man, and that's the man Christ Jesus. The risen Jesus Christ is the mediator for us. And we must love him and embrace him and serve him. He doesn't want a part of our life. Everybody can give him a part. They can go Christmas, Easter. Oh, I can go to church a couple times a year, I guess. Uh, we'll go there, yeah, for a burial. Or now it's just cremation to the world. 
He wants all of our life. All of our life. That's the only way he'll take it. Jesus put it this way. He said, more than me is not worthy of me. I might have passed over that scripture. I thought I had it right there. Did I read it? I don't think I did. Okay, I must have. Jesus, uh, in another book, in another place, said, more than me is not worthy of me. More than me. So anything that's more than in our lives is not worthy of Christ. You must sacrifice. You must lay down the things of the world, for sure. And then your own plans, your aspirations, your desires of, oh, this way and that way, and oh, I just need a year to put it all together. God's got a plan for your life. You need to lay it all down and do the will of God. Lord Jesus, what would you have for me to do? What is your plan for me? What is your will for me? I don't want you to be a part of my life. Jesus does not want part of your life. He wants all of it. That's the only way it works. He wants all of your life. They have a chorus like that, all of me, all of me. That's what God wants. He wants you. And you must give your all, every speck of you. And then you say, what about tomorrow and this and that? You look to the Lord for it. He'll guide your steps. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Just walk in the way of godliness and keep his way. Don't go to the things of the world. It's all hell bound. Every speck of it is. And you see, if you just let off a little bit, then there more worldliness comes in, more worldliness. It's nothing to smile about. It's a, it's a terrible thing. God hates it. There's things that he hates. Hates for women to cut their hair. Not one bobbed hair woman will be in heaven. He hates for a woman to wear paint. Brother Branham spoke of that. And they paint their fingernails. They paint their toenails. They paint their their eyes. They paint their lips. They're painting up. And now they're going to tattoos. Tattoos all over their body. And you've seen that. You're a witness of it. You can't go into a store without seeing it. But the children of God won't be like that. Children of God are special because you've been called out. You weren't called out by William Branham and you weren't called out by Ed Biscoll. You were called out by Jesus Christ himself. He bought you. You are not your own, said Paul, for we have been bought. We've been purchased by the blood of Christ. He took his body and his blood and he laid down as a sacrifice to purchase you. He owns you. He doesn't own just your soul. He owns your spirit. That's your mind. And he owns your body. Your body is sacred to God. I, I, I could take two hours on what 
The Bible says about that. It's a sacred thing, your body. And God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Ask the musicians if they'll come at this time. They can come, just pray, play a little something. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you've been merciful and kind to us in our lifetime. You have spoken to every one of us in this building at some point of our living. We would not be sitting here tonight if we could stand up and witness that God never spoke to me. We're here because you've dealt with us and loved us, forgiven us of our sins, and showed your wonderment unto us. Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, move down upon us just tonight, I pray. Touch us once again. That we be healed, healed in a spiritual way in our soul. So that our soul, filled with the Holy Spirit, would control our minds. And our minds would order our bodies accordingly, according to your will. Blessed Jesus, we don't want to be lost. We were lost, and you found us. You sought us, and you found us. And we don't want to walk away from you, Lord. I pray that you'll continue to deal with us, even tonight. Touch our lives. While everyone is praying, and your hearts are bowed as well, I would ask, how many here tonight by lifting your hands would testify that Jesus Christ and his words is more important to you than anything in the world. God bless you. Nearly every hand up. Mine's up too. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've put into our hearts. Lord, I pray that we'll have a thorough repentance tonight, all of us. And upon that basis, you have promised, without fail, to fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill each life, Lord. What a powerhouse each lady and man would be. A powerhouse for you, Lord. Refill us. With a new baptism every day, every day, every day, as your prophet said. Refill us and may we be thoroughly repentant so that you can live through us. Blessed Jesus. Bless those that raise their hands, Lord. My hands were up as well. We ask that your Holy Spirit move and brood over every one of us. Precious is your name. Precious is your word. Precious 
are these truths that we hear, Lord. And we ask that your Holy Spirit would never be taken from us. Remain with us always, Lord, that we would not do things that would send you away. Help us not to say things, Lord. Bring a conviction to us to where we feel in our soul not to do wrong things. Sweep over us and renew us, Lord. Refill us with your spirit wonderfully, I pray in Jesus Christ's name. Here in Cloverdale and all the believers that streaming everywhere they might be, I pray, God, to be a renewed time of sacrifice to you, a new time of surrender where you can come in and utilize what we have claimed now is given over to you and you can literally use us. Bless each one, Lord. Sicknesses, diseases, infirmities, lost ones, still lost, and some that's never heard this message. And I pray, God, you will use this congregation and those that hear this message to reach out to others that they may also come to know you as we do. Blessed be your name. We pray, God, that you'll bless our assembly, bless the ministry, Brother Bisco, Brother Tom, and the ministers. We pray, Lord, you'll anoint us to reach the lost. We thank you, Lord, that our church has provided a building here on this side of the border that we can fellowship together and raise our hands and see one another and rejoice in this faith. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask this for your glory. Let's stand together.
lovely. Let's sing that chorus. I love him, I love him. resurrection set in and will be changed and will ascend with them in glorified bodies to be with the Lord and so shall we ever be with the Lord you say it's all over then whatever you've had to go through just look at Jesus and his sacrifice for you It's real. And it's worth it all. It'll be worth it all when we see Jesus. There's a song about that, isn't it there? It will be worth it all. Let's sing that together. Father 
coming soon. He's coming to that hand. So if I die and go to the grave and he comes 50 years from now, that wouldn't outdo Brother Branham. He said he might come 500 years from now. Well, you put your thinking cap on. Try to figure that all out and you can't. Peter said it'd be like this. Well, since our fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were. someday that buckboard going to come riding in through the rose garden and pick a bride up we're going home all you have to do is believe every word of God give yourself 100% to him and his word be filled with his Holy Spirit by thorough repentance and anchor down stick to it stick to it hallelujah we ought to sing one more you have another one he doesn't know anymore (laughs) well that's true that's good Wonderful, wonderful Jesus is to me. He's a counselor, prince of peace. Mighty God is he, for he's saving me, keeping me from all sin and shame. Wonderful is my Redeemer. Wonderful Jesus is to me. Praise the Lord. 
Are there any announcements to be made? No announcements. No announcements. Well, I think I, I think, no announcements. But stay in love with Jesus. This is real. This is not emotions. This is an eternal work of God. Amen. God bless you. Everybody sit. You can leave. God bless you, each one. In the name of the Lord.